She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am your host, Sarah Gorski, and I'm here again with Chloe Skye, who I'm so delighted is guesting here for a few episodes again. Hi, Chloe. Hi, I'm back. Chloe is back and looking fab. You guys can't see the uh, video screen, but Chloe's looking amazing today. Do a little hair flip. Chloe, who have you brought us today? So today I have brought somebody... you know, as I was searching around last night before I did my my research, I had a very difficult time choosing between like four or five women, as always. As always. This one, this, <laughs> the story about this woman just, it really piqued my interest. And I could, I kept coming back to her and I was like, I feel like this has to be the one that I'm going to do. So have you heard of a woman named Beate Sirota Gordon? Oh my God, no. That name is intense, though, and has me very excited from the get Oh, it's, it's going to be a journey. <gasps> so Beate is a Jewish feminist who wrote women's rights into the Constitution of Japan. Whoa! Jewish Japan were not words I expected to hear together. Right? It's, it's a whole thing, because she, she's European- and then moved to Japan and lived there for a while. And she's American. Like she later became an American citizen. Like she has a whole journey and she Whoa. is responsible for writing women's rights and equality for women into the Japanese constitution after World War II. Oh, wow. Okay. Holy moly. All right. All right. Tell me about her. So we're going to dive in. We're going to, as, as, as we usually do, we're going to start at the very beginning. Beate was born in Vienna. On October 25th, 1923, to Leo Sirota and Augustine Horenstein, which if I didn't know, I would say was a made-up name. Augustine Horenstein, that's her mother. (laughs) Maybe that's a mean joke, but... And Vienna. It's all very extra. It's all very extra so far. (laughs) Yeah. So Leo had fled to Austria from war-torn Russia, which is where he was from. I don't know Mm. if he was born there, but he was there and, you know, World War I is raging and he's like, I got to find a safe place to go. Lands in Vienna. Mm -hmm. He is a renowned concert pianist. And when Beate is five years old, he's invited to teach at the Imperial Academy of Music in Tokyo. So the family moves there. Whoa. Okay. He's hugely popular as a performer and as a teacher. So they end up staying for a decade. You said pianist? Yes. And there's some of there's some recordings of his stuff on YouTube that I looked up and it, it is beautiful. Oh, I love the piano. I wish I played piano. Right. My mom wishes I played piano too. Yeah. It's, it's an oft-had conversation. <laughs> Oh, yeah? It's often? Not often. It's like once in a while. Okay. Piano lessons didn't stick very well when I was young, so I don't know. Well, Beate is educated in in all manner of subjects. Education is very important in their family. What's most important to note at this point is that she is becoming fluent in multiple languages. So by the time she, she goes through school, she's fluent in English, Japanese, German, French, Spanish, and Russian. That's a lot of very diverse languages. It is. Like, not like closely related languages, like Japanese and Russian. Right. <laughs> those, are, those are pretty different. But while, they, while they're living there, Beate is being educated at a German school, 
But unlike her European classmates, Beate is encouraged by her mother to get to know all the like local Japanese people and spend time making Japanese friends and going into their houses and learning the culture and the customs. Whereas like most of the people she's going to school with, they go home and they go to school and they go home and they go to school and that's it. And like they have no interaction with Japan. Whereas Beate's mother was like, I really want you to like actually experience this place like as what it is. Good. Uh, She was encouraged to be a free thinker and to question why things were the way they were. This is the period of time in her life where she... Well, she notices that women uh, are treated quite differently than men. They're supposed to eat dinner in a separate room. Uh, there's a like an unwritten rule that they're always supposed to walk three steps behind a man because the man's supposed to be the leader. And maybe part of that's like for protection, but some of it's just like you are inferior. Ugh. Yeah. And so she noticed these things as as a as a little kid and is like, uh, I don't I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of these things. Her parents also hosted a lot of like European visitors because Mm. obviously people that they knew. So she got exposed to a wide variety of people from from all over the world. Mm -hmm. However, by the mid 30s, the German school that she is attending has become increasingly uh, Nazified. Uh-oh. And as as a young Jewish girl, it is no longer safe for her to attend. So her parents pull her out of school and they move her to the American school in Japan. Damn. Even like as a remote school, it still was affected by that movement. That's really interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They they exported their stuff everywhere they could. Bullshit. So she, mo- she goes to the American school. And in 1939, when she is 17, she applies and then goes to school at Mills College in Oakland, California. Okay. During her junior year at college is December of 1941, which uh, some history buffs out there might remember is when Japan attacks Pearl Harbor. That is a tough time. Yeah. So her parents are still living in Japan because Japan has now attacked America All contact is cut off to Japan, and she can no longer speak to her parents. She hasn't heard from them. She doesn't know if they're okay. And she has also lost her access to money. Oh, no. So... She she talks to the school and she's like, hey, my parents are in Japan. I can't afford school. Like, what can I do? And she gets permission to take all of her exams without ever having to attend class and then goes and gets a job. Specifically, she works for the U- United States Listening Post in San Francisco, monitoring radio broadcasts from Tokyo, just trying to collect as much information as she can. Like if there's something horrible going on, maybe something's happening to my parents. And and she speaks every language, so she's good at that. Exactly, exactly. Wow. And so she's just studying and, and going through the 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 course books while she's on the job listening and you know no or news like is by good herself. news she like never goes to lecture she just reads the books by herself and then takes the tests correct wow so she's sort of self-educated her, herself through college i don't maybe she went to office hours sometimes if she needed clarification of something but like she pretty much just learned it herself that's amazing. Yeah. Two years later, in 1943, she graduates with a bachelor's in modern languages and gets another job for the United States Office of War Information, where she is writing radio scripts that are urging Japan to surrender. Oof. Two years after this, 1945, she gains her official United States citizenship, and the war ends with a nuclear bomb being dropped on Japan. Oh my god, were her parents close to it? 
Well, she doesn't know. She has no idea if they are alive or if they are dead, and she wants to go to Japan as soon as she possibly can to find out. However, because you know we're still in post-war, things are not solid yet, it's not possible for Americans to travel to Japan. So she thinks and she goes, what is, what is a way that I would be able to go to Japan right now? I know I could work for the military. And mm. so she goes and she begs General Douglas MacArthur to oh. be an interpreter on his staff and gets the job. She goes to MacArthur himself? Oh, my God. I mean, maybe she talks to one of his aides first, but she gets a job on his staff. And it's a she lot works- of chutzpah, if I can use a Jewish word for to a badass Jewish woman. I got a lot of my information from Jewish websites, and they all use that word to describe <laughs> her. <laughs> So I feel I think, like my Jewish friends would be proud of me for using it yeah, correctly. Yeah, I, I think it's acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> so on Christmas Eve 1945, they arrive in Tokyo, which is horribly devastated from the war. She goes straight for her parents' house, which is gone. <gasps> uh, the only thing remaining is a single charred post. Oh, my God. She doesn't immediately assume that means they're dead. So for the next couple of weeks, she spends all day working for General MacArthur as an interpreter. And then at night, she goes around to all the places where people may have escaped to, to just run away and hide from the war and is just asking everyone she can, like, do you have any information about these people? And so like day, go to work, interpret, work on the war effort, night, where are my parents? Oh. Eventually, she finds them. <gasps> They're alive. They're alive. They're living in oh. the countryside. They, they've been in hiding and they are malnourished. They're like not doing well. Like, I don't know if I'd say close to death, but they're kind of close to death. Oh, my God. So she brings them back to Tokyo and sets about nursing them back to health while continuing to work for MacArthur. Mm-hmm. Wow. So by February 1946, MacArthur has started work on a top secret assignment, writing the Japanese Constitution. Did you know that America wrote the Japanese Constitution? Because I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. My disdain for the way America does things isn't that surprising. It's not. I'm not surprised. Right. But wow, I had no idea. That's pretty much how I felt too. I read that and I was like, "Wait a minute, we didn't let Japan write their own constitution. Did we just not trust that they would not?" be back to their old ways or like what's we just decided that we had a better idea of what japan needs did you ever okay were you did you watch the west wing i did do you remember that episode when this country comes in and they're working on their constitution and they like come in for a consult and i do they like remember that a writing that's what this that's what made it made me think of even though the yeah. west Wing is obviously not real life right but, but the, and this is a different situation because i don't think japan asked for help i'm pretty sure we just did yeah. it Damn. Regardless, the task, this top secret task is to finish the constitution in seven days. And because uh, Beate is close to MacArthur, she is the only woman who is drafted to the secret constitution committee. Because she is the only woman in the room, she is assigned the task of writing the section on women's rights. Huh. I think it's important at this point to remind you that she is 22 years old. Oh my God, she's just a baby. <laughs> she, yeah, she has just graduated college. A baby who speaks 17 languages and just <laughs> saved her parents' lives. But yes, a baby. Yeah, she is a hero already. So, you know, because she's one of the only people on this committee who has actually spent time in and lived with and been close to people in Japan, 
she knows how badly women have it, and she she wants to use this job to improve their status as much as she possibly can. Hell yeah. The sisterhood. Exactly. She's later quoted as saying, quote, Japanese women were historically treated like ch- chattel. They were property to be bought and sold on a whim. Women had no rights whatsoever. She decides she wants to do a good job, not just for women's rights, but for Japan. And so she heads does something that I don't know that she was assigned to this or this was her own decision making, but she does something that it doesn't seem like anyone else on the team does. She goes straight to the nearest library and checks out every, well, I don't know if it's check out, like she might just pick them up because I don't know if the library is open. She she grabs every book she can that features previous versions of Japan's constitution because she wants to write versions of it that are as true to Japanese values as possible. Right. So by the end of the seven days, she hasn't really slept. She's read just books and books and books on the history of Japan, and she has written two articles for the new constitution, which, uh, if you want to look them up, are articles 14 and 24. Article 14 reads, quote, all of the people are equal under the law and there shall be no discrimination in political, economic or social relations because of race, creed, sex, social status or family origin. And then Article 24 protects women specifically, giving them, quote, choice of spouse, property rights, inheritance, choice of domicile, divorce and other women's matters. Is the Japanese, is this constitution the same one that is today? Yes. This is the current Japanese constitution. Hmm. And in 1947, a year later, the constitution takes effect. And Beate marries Joseph Gordon, who was the then chief interpreter for United States military intelligence. Uh, Then eventually they move back to America and she spends the rest of her life trying to bring awareness of Japanese and Asian culture to Americans who she knows don't really know anything about Japan or anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, and in fact, at that point, Americans hated J- Japanese people, mm-hmm. especially because of the World War II. People were right. like being ignorant twats about it. Yep. And so she's like, I'm I'm going to change that. And so she starts uh, scouring Japan and, and, and the Southeast Asia and finding artists to to bring over and to give venues to, to perform. And so she introduces America to woodblock printing, uh, Japanese dance, tea ceremonies. And then uh, in the 1970s, she starts bringing people from Vietnam and Bali and Mongolia and introducing America to just all of these different traditions that I mean, we would never have seen otherwise. Yeah. Wow. It's also important to note that from, you know, 47 to this time in the 1980s, so 40 years, she doesn't tell anyone that she had a role in writing the Japanese constitution. Yeah, at first, this was a this was a top secret thing. And, uh, you know, she was told not to talk about it. And so she didn't. And then eventually the Japanese conservative party has been, there's been this growing effort to amend and revoke certain parts of the constitution. And she fears that if it comes out that an American girl had a say in writing it, it'll be easier to to fuel the fires and say, let's take this thing out about women's rights. Ugh, everyone's always trying to get rid of women's rights. Exactly. But by the mid 80s, um, it becomes public information like the the documents or whatever the you know how documents like 
enter public record after a certain uh, number of yeah. years. And yeah, so yeah. in the in the eighties that happens. And she decides to release a book first in Japan. It wasn't released in English for a couple more years. Uh, she releases a book called The Only Woman in the Room. Hmm. This book makes her a huge celebrity, specifically amongst Japanese women. Hmm. And the, the next time she goes to Japan, they, they've written a play about her that's being performed. Uh, there's a documentary about her that's called The Gift from Biate. Mm. So she starts speaking more openly and publicly about her role in the process. She starts doing TV interviews in America uh, and then in Japan. By 1998, the Japanese government awards her uh, the Order of the Sacred Treasure, which is uh, a, apparently a high honor that you can get from the Japanese government. But she oh, says no. the greatest award she's been given is from Japanese women. She says, quote, they always want their picture taken with me. They always want to oh. shake my hand. They always tell me how grateful they are. Oh, wow. That story ends great. It really does. Um, like her parents did come back to health. Like they were okay in the long yeah, run. Yeah, she, she, she healed them. She saved their lives, healed them, uh, helped give women's rights to Japan. And her legacy has, has lived on. Um, there's a, a professor of Japanese history at Columbia University named Carol Gluck. She said, quote, it set a basis for a better, more equal society by just writing those things into the Constitution, which the United States Constitution doesn't even have. Beate Gordon intervened at a critical moment for women's rights. Wow. What a, what a strange, like her life is such a strange coming together of disparate things to be in the right place at the right time. Who would have thought? Like it, it, it could never have happened this way again. Right. So, And then she, she ends up, uh, she dies on December 30th, 2012 at age 89, just four months after her husband. Wow. Before her death, her last public statement was to urge that the peace and women's rights clauses be retained during any revisions to the Japanese constitution. Huh. Wow. I am like, she begs Mac MacArthur to go to Japan just to find her parents, and then she ends up changing women's rights forever in Japan. Yep. That's and then and, and she's not looking for fame. Like, she doesn't no. tell anyone for 40 years. <laughs> but she clearly, like, loved and had a deep relationship with the Japanese people and did not want to see them dehumanized, even though the whole process of writing someone else's constitution is dehumanizing in its of itself. Right. It's like, if 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 this is going to have to happen, then I'm going to try to do it the best way that it can happen, because it's going to happen with or without or at least me. the least damaging. Exactly. Wow, Chloe, what a broad. Yeah, this story pretty much took my breath away. Unbelievable. I just read, like, I came into it really expecting to be really mad at her. Because, you know, it's a white lady who wrote the Japanese constitution. I was like, no, why would you do that? And it's like, oh, well, A, it's kind of out of her hands. And B, without her, Japan might not have women's rights. Or at least maybe they would have found them eventually, but it would have been a, a, a bigger fight. Interesting. How did you find her in the first place? How did she get onto your radar? You know, I, I was just like scrolling through lists of women of historical badass women that you've never heard of and a lot of them are women that we've already covered on the show and then there were some <laughs> there were some other ones that like I've also heard you mention in other episodes as like potentials and part of me is like oh I bet Sarah's looked at this exact same list so I hope she didn't <laughs> pull out Beate as well I mean I have a list of like over 50 I have like a spreadsheet of over 50 that people have suggested to me or that I found and I've 
like general interest in. So uh, there's there's no shortage of amazing women. Well, she was great. Yeah, Beate Gordon. Abroad, you should know. Gordon. Abroad, I now know, and our audience does too. Thank you, Chloe. Oh, you're very welcome. To learn more about Beate Gordon, see pictures of her and the Constitution, visit broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're over there, you can click to the About page and read more about Chloe Skye, her bio, and links to all her cool stuff and her social media. Are you following Broads You Should Know yet? We're on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest abroad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. Are you a fan of this podcast? If so, then you should help spread the word. Share us with your family and friends, and better yet, leave us a review on your podcasting platform. It really helps new listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye, with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you found yourself really drawn in to Beate Gordon's fight for Japanese women's rights, then you're probably going to love some of our other episodes, too. You should check out Naye Sok, Dr. Paulina Luisi, and Malala. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know. Ooh.